well, it was some weeks ago now that I uh, preached on the first part of our text in Romans uh, chapter 12. Uh, we'll be looking at the last few verses, especially of Romans 12, uh, beginning at verse, at verse 3 through 8. But I want to remind you of the story. I want to remind you of the story of the boys in the boat. Uh, there were eight uh, young men who made up the, the crew uh, that uh, made it from the Washington Huskies uh, a school there to, um, uh, to all the way to Berlin and finally did win the, uh, the gold medal in the most prestigious of all of the rowing races there. And, and a few things about that story continue to grip me. And, and one is the fact that all nine of them, because there's a coxswain, in the, uh, in the stern, who's a little guy who shouts the orders, uh, that, that all of them were all in to what they were doing. They were all in to the task of being the best that they could be together. It was their boat. They loved each other. And they trusted each other. And, and everyone was concerned to pull their own oar. And they weren't thinking so much about what the other guy was doing. And they were all listening to the cadence of the coxswain. When it was really loud, he had to hit the side of the boat because they couldn't even hear him shouting from just a few feet away. So they listened and they followed and that is a wonderful picture of what it means, as we'll read in our text in just a moment, what it means to serve together under the grace of God, under the mercies of God, in the church body. And that each one of us needs to find our seat. Find our oar and find our seat. Let's read together these verses then uh, from... Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 3, and I'll read through verse 8. And as we set the stage again, remember that it is only by the mercies of God. Verse 1 tells us only by the mercies of God that we can live well in our churches, in our homes, and in this world. We're under the mercy. We're changed by the mercy of God. Verse 3, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the, mercy, the measure of faith which God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, in service, in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts or encourages in his exhortation or encouragement, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. 
So three things I want to talk about this morning, uh, that we are, uh, we are one, we are one, but we are many, and, and we are alert, we are a charismatic church, amen? Yes. And every one of us needs to find our seat in the boat. We are, we are one body in Christ, 5a says. We are all who believe in Jesus, who have believed into Jesus. Do you hear the difference there? Not just believing in Him, that He exists, but into Him, same word in Greek, we come into Him, we're united to Him, and are part of His body, which is the visible church. You notice how when the Word of God was preached in Acts chapter 2, that the church was formed and it was a body of people that were devoted to each other in uncommon and lovely ways. They were devoted to the apostolic teaching. They were devoted to the fellowship, hanging out together, united in Christ. They were devoted to, to hospitality, being in each other's homes and sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper in that time, and also to the prayers, the prayers as they gathered together to pray. They, there was this devotion to the body because they were all connected to one another in Jesus. And then when new people were converted, what, what does the end of that chapter say? When the Holy Spirit worked in people, the end of chapter Acts chapter 2 says, they were, they, became, they were joined, they were added to the number who had believed. To come to faith in Jesus is to come into His church Body. Now, it strikes me with great sadness to think of even, well, it, it is often said that, that millennials today, who are they? They're people like Andrew. They're not people like Bob Groot. They're people like Andrew. They're people younger than, you know, uh, I don't know, what is it, in, in their 20s and 30s now, I guess. That, that many people, um, many millennials are, are fleeing from the church, leaving the church, even with some sense that God is good, God is He says He is, but they leave the church because they don't just want to go to a meeting; they want to be part of a community that is that is is working together for some greater purpose. If that's not the church, I don't know what is. It's a tragic thing when we don't act like what we are called to do and to be. They're here, of all places, here there are people of different kinds and colors and backgrounds and socioeconomic, but here we belong to one another because we belong to Jesus and he has given us tasks. But first of all, we are one. We are one in that reality in Christ. But we are also members of this body, different members. And there are the three things I want to point out here. We are separate, we are unique, and each is necessary. Separate, unique, and necessary. You are not just part of a group. And that if you somehow slip out the door, you won't be missed. Or you won't leave a vacuum. Or you won't leave an empty seat. Each of us, we are separate individuals. We are part of the body. But there is an importance to us. It's wonderful to be a part of this family but also to recognize that each of us is distinct and each of us is a, has a gift to offer. Each of us a necessary, important gift 
to offer. But we're separate. We're also gifted so that we make a unique contribution to the whole. And it is wonderful. It is what one thing that gives me great joy is to see people who come into the church or people who have been here for a while and they understand they have, they have a gift and they are devoted to offering that gift up for the benefit of other people. It's a great thing to see whether their gift is in, in hospitality or in just seeing needs around the church that need to be taken care of. They, they recognize they have a unique contribution and fulfill it. And, and thirdly, it's necessary that, uh, that everyone, everyone your, your, your place here and, and the seat that you fill, not just in the pew but in the boat, is necessary for the efficient and the excellent running of the boat. Um, if there are empty seats in the boat, please, the, the boat is underpowered. It, it, it's underpowered and it, it can't battle the waves and the winds and, and make it to the end. Now, my dear wife is, is lacking two organs. Um, organs that I have. Um, she, she's had two operations and I used to think this was cool that she as a child had two operations to take out part of her body that were not, that were not necessary and were somehow flawed or diseased. She doesn't have tonsils. And she doesn't have an appendix. And I thought that was cool. I've got them both. Okay? And, and, uh, and, but my point here is that in the church of Jesus Christ, and they're called vestigial organs, that is, that is there, there is no uh, known or obvious purpose for them, and they can be removed, and the body functions just fine, if not better. In the body of Christ, there are what? There are no vestigial organs. They can't just be removed and everything goes fine. Every organ, every body part is necessary. Uh, It is unique and it is separate from the others. Two applications right here, people. And the first thing, are you a Christian, first of all? Have you come to faith in Jesus, recognizing that you are a sinner in need of mercy from heaven, and you have received that gift of grace, and you are therefore, therefore you want to be in our part of the body of Christ. You need to be part of the church. When you join the church, you are saying, I am in the boat. And you also say, I am under the leadership of the elders, if you will, the coxswain, the loudmouth in the back, shouting orders, shouting directions. And you've also got an oar. You've got a way to, you've got something that you are contributing to the success of the mission. Are you a Christian and a part of his church? And then the second thing here is, is, is each of us needs to find our oar. And I don't, I want you to just keep that thought in mind over the next few minutes. Listen to the sermon with this in view. What is my oar? Do I, what is my oar? What is my spot? What is my task? What are my gifts? What is God calling you to do? So we are one, but we are many. And we are also a charismatic church. And that may surprise you if you're thinking, if you think about charismatic churches, you've got to do certain things, like you've got to talk in a weird language, or you've, you've got to... 
the, the pastor has to have dreams that he has that he shares with you what you're supposed to do that's outside of the scripture and all these kinds of things. Well, we, we, are, we are a charismatic church. Um, many, many years ago, a young woman came to our house and she wanted to sit down with Gail and me and ask us some questions. She was going through some difficult things. I don't know what they were at this point. doesn't matter. But, um, but she was a friend of our, our daughter's and she was mem- a member of a charismatic church, a neo-Pentecostal church where they do those things, that are speaking in tongues and all of that. And she comes, the first thing out of her mouth as we're sitting in our living room, I can see it as if it was yesterday, I know you don't believe in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> well, that's kind of a conversation stopper right there, isn't it? Why are you here if we don't believe in the Holy Spirit, you know? But, but... But we, all, we do believe in the Holy Spirit. We're desperately dependent upon the Holy Spirit as He is presented to us in the Scriptures. And we depend on Him for the gifts of God's grace. Interesting, there are three different lists in the New Testament that describe the gifts. There's one a list in, in Ephesians and in 1 Corinthians and here in Romans. And in each one of those passages, and they're all ascribed... Each one of those passages, in, in Ephesians, it, it says the gifts come from Christ. And in 1 Corinthians, it says the gift, gifts come from the Holy Spirit. And in Romans here, they are gifts that are from God. So what do we take of that? That God, um, who loves His church, who calls us, um, also then brings us by the power of the Spirit into the body of Christ, and so gifts us, to be able to cooperate and work together for His glory in, in the church. So you have gifts from the triune God. And these gifts, as we saw in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, are neatly divided into speaking gifts and serving gifts. If you speak, do so as if speaking the very oracles of God. If you serve, serve with the strength that God Himself supplies. So those are the two kinds of gifts. We also have to think about broad categories. And those are also, we have to think about the fact that the gifts are, are applied in different ways to different people. In other words, there are some, there is a special office in the church. Actually, you could say two or maybe three special offices in the church. There's the, there are the elders, some who preach and some who rule. And then there are the deacons. And the, and the, the elders are the ones who speak. In, in, and they are, they are gifted and called to speak in a public way like this. And the deacons are those who serve. And that, that's the special office. Those are the special offices that God has put in the church. But then you, out there, have what is called the general office. And that you too are called to speak and to serve. Your serving is, is divided, if you will, into, into those two categories. You have gifts as well. And this is why in verse 3 it says, Paul says, you need, you need sober self-assessment. I love what J.B. Phillips says in this. Don't cherish exaggerated ideas of yourself or your own importance. Don't cherish an exaggerated view of what you can do because of your great skills and abilities. Very simple. Don't boast and say, look at my gift, draw attention to yourself and your gift, and at the same time look down on other people who are not so gifted. Isn't that a tendency? You can do that. Puff itself up. 
I'm pretty cool. What I can do, you're less. Okay? Sober self-assessment here. But the other side of it is you can always also look at yourself and you can, I'm going to use a technical term here. Listen carefully. You can look at yourself and you can kind of poo-poo yourself. And that means look down on yourself and think, oh, I don't have anything to offer. I can't do anything. I'm not important. I am, I am, you know, when the, when, when there is some kind of a national emergency or there's some kind of a weather emergency. I remember we had this in DC a, a lot and I, I think there's some here too with, the FAA, and that is, and that is, you'll get a, you'll get a notice over the radio, radio, only essential personnel need report. Now, what does that make you? If you don't report, I'm non-essential, not that important for the mission. Well, we're not allowed to, to go there. There, there's no non-essential personnel here. Amen. See, both, both extremes fall into a trap, and the trap is comparing yourself to other people, where you can either feel really exalted or you can feel really low. And both of those have the same, the same root problem, and they're looking to people instead of looking to the giver. They're looking to people instead of looking to God, who's called us and through the Holy Spirit and grafts us into the body and gifts us. The Spirit is the life giver of the church. Okay, so how how do you find how do you find your seat in the boat? How do you find the right oar, the right length, weight, all all the rest? How do you, how do you do that? I'm just going to mention two things for your consideration today. First of all, what what do you enjoy? What do you enjoy doing? Allow me, allow me just a couple of minutes for some personal reflection on my own family. It's interesting. I think about my kids, and, um, and, and I've got one kid, one child, who, who relaxes by balancing her checkbook. That's a, that's a good afternoon. If I'm tense, give me some numbers, man. Let me crunch them. Let me figure things out. Um, she, she just loves number. And her favorite day of the year is, is March 14th. Do you, do you know what a number person would love about March 14? Bob, what is it? it it's, it's Pi Day. 3.14 to infinity. She loves Pi Day. She's a, she's a math teacher and she celebrates Pi Day. She brings pies to class and they love their numbers together. I got another daughter who just, who loves to talk and she's eloquent and she's, she can move people by the wisdom and the, and the depth of her speech. Another another daughter who serves, she gets she gets excited uh, by developing systems in the workplace that build efficiency into the office. Give me a problem to solve with with personnel and responsibilities, and I'll I'll figure it all out for you. She does it. And another another who who has a joy in serving other people so they maximize their potential. Can you see where you might fit into any one of those any one of those slots there? But the point of it is what gives you joy in serving other people? What gives you joy? What is what is in a sense I was gonna say easy, but life's never not always easy, is it?
But, but the other thing is, not only what do you enjoy, but where has God um, used you to bless others? Listen to what people say around you. Listen to what they say. That was really encouraging. Thank you. How did you know I needed that? No one else even noticed. What, what an insightful comment. I'm so grateful for your generosity. What do people say about you that indicate you have been a help to them? Listen to that. You're probably zeroing in on an area of giftedness. Well, there are seven samples of gifts that are mentioned in this passage. And notice that all of them are geared to help other people. And I want to just go quickly through the seven of them. Um, we, We see this... Uh, we see this beginning um, in, um, in, verse, in the last part of verse 6. Let us use them. Um, if, if prophecy in proportion to our faith. And prophecy, um, th- th- this can be misunderstood. Um, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, we might think that, that as long as we're really convinced that what we're saying is true, we have faith that it is true, that therefore what we're saying is true and God-honoring. And I don't think that's where it's going. That would be what you might call a subjective reading of the text. I think instead, it is, is as, as the text says, um, that um, according to the faith, you prophesy according to the faith or according to the truth. What you say agrees with the truth of God's word. And the practice was different in Paul's day there, in the apostolic age. The, the prophecy consisted of the Holy Spirit leading certain people at a certain time and in a certain place to give truth particular to those people. That would happen as before the scriptures were given of the New Testament. That would happen in the local assembly. That practice is no longer uh, carried out today because we have, we have pastors and teachers who bring us the word of God. But the purpose is the same. You publicly speak God's word to God's people. And what's amazing is the purpose giving, given to prophecy we see in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3. The purpose of prophecy is to build them up, to encourage others, and to comfort. To build up, to encourage, and comfort. Those purposes remain while the gift of prophecy is exercised in a different way. The purposes remain, build up, encourage, and comfort. And we can think of the prophets then as as the special gift of the pastor, the teacher. It is that, but there's more. There's the general gift as well to you. Do you give God's word and not just human advice? You're on the phone. Somebody calls you up. They are aggravated. They are upset. They are distressed. They're a good friend. And you just sit there and you listen and you say, I know how you feel. Life's tough. What's for dinner? Yes, it is appropriate to identify with someone, but in that conversation, the prophet will bring some word of comfort, exhortation, and blessing to the individual. That's a a prophet. Special, general. 
serving is providing uh, any kind of uh, practical help and and it's serving in your service. In other words, you are you are delighted to do the service for the sake of the service and not for uh, for some uh, polish to your reputation that you'll have just because people see you do it. But then teaching uh, in your teaching. Um, and, and, and I am not terribly impressed. In fact, I'm kind of uh, often unimpressed when I hear someone say, I just love to teach and I love to preach. I am more interested in what it is your preaching and teaching effective. Paul says, Ephesians uh, chapter 4, amazing passage, um, you have learned Christ. That, that, that is how Paul described the people in Ephesians who were actually hearing the Word of God. Someone wasn't just talking. Something was happening. They were knowing Christ. They were knowing Him. They were loving Him. They were obeying Him. And there was an effect of the teaching. So in your teaching, people are actually learning. And encouraging. The ones who, like Barnabas, had eyes to see the discouraged and give fresh courage to those who were disheartened those who were lonely, fresh hope, fresh and fresh courage. And in your contributing with generosity, not to gain points from God, but, but that generosity carries with it the idea of a single purpose. There's a single purpose to your giving. Not to impress, not to get anything from God, but simply for the joy of seeing someone else blessed. That's why you do it. And with that, acts of mercy with cheerfulness. You have a heart for the distressed and the lonely. Remember what, this, what, what opens up this whole section. I, re, I exhort you, appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God. And in your giving, in your acts of mercy, it is because of the mercy of God. You must be merciful as he has been merciful to you. Well, that's the charismatic church. That's in the body that is one, but is also many. And so the last thing I just want to emphasize for a few minutes here is each of you find yourself, find your seat in the boat. Look at what verse 6 says very, very plainly. Let us use them. That's a command. It means use your gift. Find your or take your seat. Lean into that or each one of you. So the question is, uh, where and how is God calling you to serve others and to do so here? Let me first say, people, it is possible for us to be having too many oars in the water. Each of us. It's possible. We might be doing too much. And maybe you're, you're, maybe what you need to hear me say right now is, is give up an or or two. We'll get to that in a minute. But, but just okay. I'm not. I'm not trying to pile something more on some of you. I am trying to pile some things on some of you. Okay. <laughs> but let's just be careful. We know where we sit. I need fewer ors. I need an or. Two different things. I. I Real quickly, I, I, I love what the women's ministry is doing. You've got, you can, you've got this trifold and you've got all these areas of service. You are, you, it, one of them or two of them light you up. Women, plug in, get involved. You've got a coordinator, go for it. Contact her if you, 
if you want to get involved in that. I, I love the deacons are doing some great stuff in terms of overseeing the ushering and, and the greeting. I've, I hear people say it was so good to be here and to be greeted and warmly welcomed and, and, and other areas where the deacons are serving. Just there. Find, 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 find a seat there. Does, some, of you, some of you don't want to go to the Disaster Relief Committee at, at, the, at the Hitchner's. That's okay! But some of you do, and that's okay! Find your seat in what you, are, what you are wanting to do. And I see that this happens in a way that's sort of under the radar so often in, in growth groups where you are gathering regularly with people to read God's Word together, to pray for each other. It's an organic context in which your gifts are, are developed and deployed in, in a way that is under, under the radar. But you see a need and you meet it. You're merciful to the people who are, who are there. Um, you are, you are, uh, each group is encouraged to serve in some way in the church and in the community. That, so there is serving that's going on. You find your merciful gifts. And God may be calling you to become a leader and to form a new group. Kids, I just saw something today. Um, just read something today. There was a message from Child Evangelism Fellowship. We have a good news club that is operating in, in all of it. You should know that. And that there is a, there there were 18 kids that were involved that were enrolled in the beginning of the year. It's it's up to I think 24, 24 little ones. And part of part of what they would really would be great to give them is some cookies. Kids, you can find a smaller or and you can put it in the water, and you can help mom bake cookies to bring for the Good News Club. You can do that. You can do that. Find your, find your ore. And, and that's just to get you started, okay? Go with it. Go with it. Go with it. The, but the second part, then, is, is uh, to stay in your lane. <laughs> that's a phrase we hear. You're at, you're at the office... And, you know, you're, you have a certain task on the job chart. Stay in your lane. That means don't worry about what someone else is doing. You do your task and not their job. Okay? Stay in your lane. But how wonderfully that works in the boat as well. Um, you, you, you work on, on keeping that boat straight. Your, your, um, your, um, um, your work there. And it's so easy for us to criticize other rowers. Criticize other people in the church even who are doing good things. But not the way I would do it. Do you really need to say that? Do you really need to think that? If you have enough time to think that, it's probably because you're not leaning on your own oar as much as you should be. And you're sitting back in your boat and you're letting that oar sort of flap in the water instead of digging in. Concentrate on your oar and on what God is calling you to do. And you will. That's one great way to stay in your lane. Well, another thing here is to disciple someone else to take over your oar. Stay in your lane and, and also work on finding someone else to take your oar and to, to continue in that work. I, and I am extraordinarily thankful uh, for the faithful rowers we have in this church. I commend you for that. But you need... Everyone needs to just take a good look. Am, am I one that has to give up an oar or two? Or if I'm one that needs to find an oar or two? You know who you are. And, and if, you're in, if you're in a position 
of, um, of, of, of uh, working hard in the church, this, this is what I want to encourage you to do. Look, train, and share. Look, train, and share. First of all, the look for others who may have the gifts and calling to do what you're, what, what you're doing. I love what the ensemble does. I've heard, I've, I overhear. They've never talked to me about this. But I overhear them talking to other people. Would you like to join the ensemble? And that's a great, that's a great thing. They're looking to fill the chairs with people who can play. And they're wise enough not to ask me to do anything. So you're, you're looking for others to, to help, you help with this rowing, this, with this work. And the second thing is then you train. You, you train up the next rower. Um, you, you do that. You ask them if they'd like to be involved. And, and, and if they say yes, then you show them what you do. You show them. This is how you do it. And, uh, and, and, then, and then as, as you tell them what you're going to do, and then you, you, you do it. And, and, then, uh, and, and then when they're ready, you give them the oar. And they can put it in the water. And you watch them and see how they're doing. And you, you give them some... some some uh, some counters, some some pointers. So you, you you look and you train, and then you share you share your seat, <laughs> and you you cut them loose to do what you've trained them to do, and and you you can even sometimes give up the oar. Isn't that a, isn't that a great isn't that a great thing? Um, this this is is this is this is not your church. In, in one sense, it, it is, you belong, that's wonderful, but it's not, it, but Jesus is the master, the ruler. And you have freedom then, uh, under his leadership, to, to encourage and engage others in the workings of the church. What a great privilege that we have. It's Christ's church. Serve him. <coughs> Serve him with zeal. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks um, for your lordship today. And Holy Spirit, we give you thanks as the giver of life and the giver of gifts, along with the Father and the Son. And we pray for you to be glorified in our church. May we, as um, individuals and as a church body, mature from one degree of glory to another by the power of the Spirit. Just thank you. Thank you for each person here. Thank you for gifts that you've given. Thank you for the love that the the, um, offering of those gifts demonstrates. Love, first of all, to you and then to the church body. So we give you praise. Just want to thank you for calling us and for gifting us and for setting us free to serve you. In the name of Jesus, amen.